Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 as we wind down to the end of this wonderful epistle in the Word of God. And I trust that your heart has been strengthened and challenged to love God more and to be more like him each and every day. Tonight I'll be reading verse 16 once again. And I'll read verse 17 here tonight. First John chapter 5 and verse 16. The Bible says, If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All righteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege we've had to gather here tonight. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for the blessing of your word as well. And as you speak to us, I pray that you would use your word to challenge our hearts and to strengthen, to guide, to comfort wherever needed, that your will might be done in every heart and in every life. The Lord, I pray that you'd give me the words you'll have me to say. Thank you for how you minister to our hearts time and time again. And I pray, dear Lord, that in every aspect, your will would be done. Cleanse me of sin and to me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus said the Lord and that in everything that's said and done you will be honored and glorified. There's someone under the sound of my voice who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior. May tonight be the night of their salvation and that every believer would be challenged to take a closer walk with you. Take full control. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. By way of introduction, I'd like to read uh, an excerpt from an article that I came across online entitled, Ears, the New Fingerprints? And that's a question mark. And it was written by one Tara Gostella. I, I quote, it says, All ears are the same, right? Wrong. Ears are actually unique to each and every person, so much so that they are comparable in uniqueness to the fingerprint. Research has even suggested that ears may be a more effective identification tool than a fingerprint through the use of a new image ray transform technology. This technology shines beams of light onto the tubular features of the outer ear, creating an image from the way the light reflects off the ear's curves. What makes the ear so unique? One's ears are fully formed at birth and age gracefully over time, making them an ideal body part to confirm identity. Fingerprints can change during the development of calluses from repeated labor, which can make them less reliable. 
In almost every crime scene TV drama, you're likely to see characters dusting for fingerprints. When we see them dusting for when we see when will we see them dusting for earprints? Well, I guess it's a lot less likely that your average criminal is pressing an ear against an object while committing a crime. Yet, in 1998, the first murder conviction on the basis of ear identification occurred in England. The convicted suspect pressed his ear up against a newly washed window in the house where the murder took place to listen for movement. Airports regularly also use biometrical facial recognition programs for their security programs. The addition of earprints to this type of security could also prove a valuable way to identify travelers as well as any potential threats. As I read this article, I continue to be amazed at how uniquely you and I have been created by Almighty God. Amen? The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Physically, we are all unique. There is not another person who has been created in human history who is identical to you. But here's something else that we ought to be mindful of as we think of God in his wisdom as he has made us with all of these unique characteristics and features and traits. That while we are also physically unique, it's important that we understand that for those of us who name the name of Jesus Christ in being born again, that God has also created spiritually unique beings. Just as we have different characteristics that identify us, we can listen to a person's voice and know who that person is. We can examine their fingerprints. We can look at their facial features and know who we are speaking to. But there are some correct characteristics as well, my friend, that are given to us as children of God that ought to be evidences and proofs to identify us as children of God. I call this a Christian signature. Just as a signature identifies us, a signature provides proof and evidence that we are the one to authorize or to authenticate a particular document, God in his wisdom has given within our spiritual DNA characteristics, spiritually speaking, that ought to let a lost and dying world know that we are, in fact, and indeed, children of God. Let the church say amen. Amen. John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, deals with this matter throughout the book of 1 John, and we've been looking at this expositorily for quite some time. But here in chapter 5, he culminates this epistle with what I see in these verses are a number of proofs of salvation. It's as if he summarized and he, John, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, takes these evidences and closes out this book with these proofs. And we've been examining them for some time now, but I want us to just look at 
the one that we started looking at in verse number 16, which is so critically important. And God has given us this trait, this characteristic, this spiritual feature, if you will, as a result of our salvation. And my friend, it is that we ought to possess concern about sin. Amen? Last week, we looked at one aspect of this concern in the area of accountability. Accountability. You would recognize that in verse number 16, John writes and he says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask. Wow. I don't know how many churches you have members who are willing to ask someone about a sin that they commit. But my friend, John here is not talking about being nosy. He's not talking about being condemning. He's talking about having a sense of accountability among the brethren. Why? Because there is a realization, there is an understanding that sin affects all of us. And whether it is practiced individually or not, the sin of an individual who is a part of your family in Christ, my friend, it affects all of us collectively. The Apostle Paul spoke to this so very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want us to turn there just by way of review because it would help us to understand why we ought to have this concern. Why it ought not to be that we just simply turn our heads the other way when it comes to this matter of sin in our own lives and in the lives of others. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, very familiar passage to most of us. And look at what the Bible says in verse number 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, uh, one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, we were the hearing. If the whole body were the hearing, we were the smelling. But no, God had set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. My friend, the, 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 the admonition, the, the teaching here is so very clear that when sin affects one person, it affects the whole body. Just like if you were to get a, a cut or injury on one part of your body, your entire body is affected. So John speaks to the importance of accountability. But I want to draw your attention secondly tonight to another aspect of concern for sin. And it comes from a word that is repeated in these verses subsequent to verse number 16, but even seen in context in verse number 16. But I want you to notice this verse, even though we won't look at these verses tonight, but in the following weeks, look at this verse, this word in verse number 18, it shows up. It shows up in verse number 19. It shows up in verse number 20, multiple times. 
And that word is the word know. Look at verse number 18. It says, we know that whatsoever is born of God is sin it not. Look at verse number 19. And we know that we are of God. Look at verse number 20. And we know that the Son of God is come. Look again in verse number 20. That we may know him that is true. My friend, here's what John wants us to understand about this concern for sin that ought to be evident in our lives. The reason why we ought to have some concern is because there are some things that we are aware of by being children of God. To have knowledge is power, they say. To have knowledge is a good thing. To have knowledge means I have not only accountability, but I have awareness. Jot that word down. Awareness. We ought to have some concern about sin because there are some things that we've been made aware of when it comes to the, 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 the power of sin, the devastation of sin, the reality of sin. Knowledge. Knowledge of sin. Knowledge of some things. And so John speaking here says, listen, every believer ought to have a healthy concern for sin. Why? Because there is an extra special awareness that has been given to us as children of God. Knowledge. You know, we are living in what is known as the information age. It's a time where knowledge is seen to be in abundance. Knowledge is more accessible than ever before. We have devices and phones and tablets and computers and they're connected to the internet and this connectivity has opened up our access to information with the click of a button. This access to information has brought about great awareness. It has transformed our lives. It has changed how we learn. It has transformed how we teach. It has transformed how we communicate. But as I thought of this irony of this prevalent access to knowledge, I would tend to suggest that it seems that while we might have more access and we know more, it seems to me that it has resulted in us being able to retain less. Because it seems as though because we have access at the touch of a button and nobody needs to remember anything these days. I mean, be honest with me. Who remembers phone numbers these days? I mean, sometimes you're like, you, you don't even know your family member's phone number. Dad, you still remember numbers? I mean, nobody remembers numbers these days. Now, let me tell you something. This thing has gotten so bad that I promise you, some of you, including myself, we got numbers in our phones and we don't even know who the people are. We just know that there's a name in there with a number and I, you can't tell me who they are. Such is the nature of the abundance of knowledge. But you know what? 
there is great awareness because of the access of knowledge to knowledge. But here in a spiritual context, John is saying your concern for sin ought to be great because you are, are, as believers in Christ, you know some things that other people don't know. You've been made aware. And this knowledge, my friend, should define us. It should impact how we live our lives. So here's what I want us to just notice tonight, very briefly. In verse number 16, that this awareness should result in us as believers having seriousness regarding sin. Now, I want you to notice that this whole aspect of awareness is seen in verse number 16 as well. And we'll see it in verses following. But I want you to notice, it is because of the response of a believer being aware why that believer responds with accountability. Look at verse number 16. We look at this last time, not in the area of uh, awareness that we're looking at tonight. Last week we looked at the area of accountability. But notice verse number 16. This is awareness. If a man see his brother sin. That's awareness. Being aware of what happened with another brother, another sister in Christ. And because of this awareness, because of that brother or sister is serious about sin, understands the, the danger of sin, that brother or sister puts accountability into practice. To our shame, oftentimes, as church members, there is awareness of sinful practices, sinful habits, and nothing is done to help to get that person on track. My friend, that's a demonstration of a lack of awareness of the seriousness of sin. Notice what John says, speaking to this seriousness. He says, there is a sin unto death. We don't like to think about death. That is the one thing that causes us to pause, to be somber. But notice John is saying here. Well, let me tell you what he's not saying. Understand that judicially speaking, sin produces death. We're familiar with Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that says the wages of sin is what? Death. And so, even as we think in a context of Romans chapter 6, understand that when we think of the fact that the penalty for sin is death, that in and of itself should cause us to see the seriousness of sin because it's because of sin why Jesus went to Calvary's cross. But in John chapter six, 5 rather, and verse number 16, John is not speaking in terms of the judicial penalty for sin, which is death for all sin, but he's speaking here to the consequences of sin in terms of chastisement. Now, remember and recall with me, you don't have to turn there, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, the Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he received, receiveth. 
Now, we could think of this in our own local judicial system that there are capital crimes that receive capital punishment. Now, capital punishment is simply paying with one's life. The death penalty. But there are other lesser crimes, so to speak, that would receive a lesser sentence, a lesser punishment. But what, 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 what must we understand about sin when we think about its seriousness? What, John, what does just John want us to really grab here? My friend, he's speaking to the consequences of sin. Sin has consequences. And John is, is admonishing here that understand that sin, rather, the death, rather, can be the consequence of sin by way of chastisement, by way of punishment, so to speak. Let's use the word chastisement. Now, let me give you a few examples in the word of God that I know you're familiar with. Sin unto death. Meaning where that individual sins and God says, you know what? Death is the consequence of this sin. Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5. Verses 1 to 5. That was a sin unto death. They had no idea that when they entered and lied to the apostle Peter, that that would be the last lie they told. Boom. Drop down dead. Sin unto death. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 30. We mentioned this when we observed the second ordinance, the Lord's Supper. Saints who degrade the significance of the Lord's Supper don't take it seriously. Paul says there are many are sickly among you and many sleep. That's many are dead. Sin unto death. The Apostle Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about the unrepentant sinner. That if that one did not seek to repent, he says, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. What was, what was Paul saying? Paul was saying, listen, this person who does not want to get this sinful practice right, by way of discipline, deliver that one over to Satan for the destruction of the body, that eventually that person will commit a sin unto death. Now notice in each of these examples, understand that there is not a specific sin that's mentioned. There is not a particular sin that, oh, if this particular public known sin is done, it might be a sin unto death. It could be a sin of the heart. And what John wants us to understand here, my friend, tonight, that when it comes to our awareness, we must have a realization of the seriousness of sin. If you look around at our world, you look around at churches, you look around at people in general, you must agree with me that sin is taken so lightly. 
That ought not to be characteristic of a child of God. Uh, we ought to realize that there are consequences. And, and here's, here's the other thing to realize, that not only are there consequences, but as I've been alluding to relating to this sin unto death, understand that what John is saying here, that when we sin unto death, understand that the result is conclusive. What do I mean by that? Notice what John says here. He says, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that ye shall pray for it. Now, to understand what John means by this statement, you have to go back in verse number 16 at the beginning and notice that he says, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life Right? In the scenario where it's not a sin unto death. In other words, John is saying, I don't know exactly what sin it is. I don't know what sin is sin unto death and what sin is not unto death. But if it's a sin that's not unto death, a brother or sister can intervene and try to get that person back on course and give them life. But he's saying here that if it's a sin unto death, guess what? Prayer can change it. Isn't that scary? That if the person sins unto death, it is conclusive. It doesn't matter how much time you appeal, how much time you pray, how much time you wear out your knees. It says if, the, if, the, if there is a sin that a person is, consin is sinning unto death, the act that's going to be brought about is conclusive. Death is going to be the result. Now it makes me wonder, how many times have we prayed futile prayers because the sin that has been committed is a sin unto death. In other words, God is saying there's no turning around. There's no turning back. This, my friend, is not meant to, 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 to scare us or for us to figure out which sin is unto death and which sin is not. It ought to bring us to a realization, my friend, that sin is serious. That's it. And so because there are consequences, because it can be conclusive, it ought to cause each and every believer to act with caution. Caution. Caution regarding any and all sin. Notice the context here does not speak to any specific sin. But more so to sin that takes place where, in other words, the rope has run out. The time is up. When is that point reached? I can't tell you. That is in the hand of Almighty God. But what I can say is that the best thing to do is to take sin seriously and to stay away from sin. Seek more and more to be like Christ each and every day. Whatever he reveals, acknowledge it. Admit it. Repent of it. Seek his forgiveness. 
grow spiritually so that you can grow and build up the spiritual stamina to stay away from sin. John here is speaking to the fact that a believer, a child of God, has a special awareness that has been imprinted in our spiritual DNA because we have been made alive. We've been born again. There's some awareness of sin that we ought to have that a person who is not regenerated will not have. And that awareness ought to cause us to take sin seriously.